10 of those three over um, um, before we meet again a uh, week from Tuesday. And um, certainly have them read by the time you start working on your paper. Um, okay, are we ready to begin? Let me, uh, let me... Sorry, do we know what the paper topic is? Um, yeah, it's basically, uh, let me just admit Cheryl. Um, it's not a particular topic, but it's basically going to be that you do have to write about both Macbeth and Anne and Cleopatra and um, some issue. Again, you can focus on um, a couple of short passages, but you, ha you do have to talk about both plays and some issue which um, the perspective that you get, the um, focus, the um, question is one that's uh, illuminated and uh, gives you gives you a couple of different angles on by looking at both plays. So you know that stuff. We've been looking carefully at each play on its own, but have been talking from time to time about the interrelation between the plays. So um, you can talk intensely about the interrelation if you want to, or you can just talk. Um, about the kinds of issues that Shakespeare is really interested in and how those play out um, both um, um, similar the similarities and differences in how they play out in the two plays. But the idea is that uh, for your um, for the paper, whether it's your second paper for those of you who wrote a first paper or whether you're writing one long paper, the idea is to uh, to treat both plays, to consider both plays, to have um, each play as a context for the other. Okay, and and for the first paper, um, we had to like close read fifteen to thirty lines. There were fifteen to thirty continuous lines or something like that. Do we have to do that here too? You don't or? have to, but you can. And, okay. Um, Emery's asking when the paper is due, so I think I put on the syllabus that it's the last day of class. Um, but I'll go look what I said. Um, so let's see, um, yeah, second paper due April 28th, and, um, we were talking about, uh, reading All for Love, um, I suspect we're not going to get to, but it may be that we will, you should, um, if you want to read it and, um, consider that in your paper, I think it's worth doing all for love is, you know, it's not Shakespeare, but Dryden is a great poet. So it's a good play. And, um, it would be a great play if it weren't for Shakespeare, if there weren't <laughs> Shakespeare to compare it to. Um, all right, back to ending Cleopatra. We are at, um, act two, scene five. So, um, who wants to be Cleopatra? I can. Um, so I can't, was that, um... That was me. Th that was you, Nicole, or you, Matt? Yeah. You, Nicole, okay. Um, who will be Charmian? I can do Charmian. That's me, Matt. Okay. Um, who will be Mardian? It's okay to be Mardian. All right, Cheryl, you'll be Mardian? Good. And um, who will... I'm not even sure that uh, they all speak. Who will be the messenger? The messenger... I, I, 
is a good roll. I can. Um, is that oh, you, Grace? Hi. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, let's start. It may be that we'll need more, but uh, Cleopatra, begin. Sorry, what act and scene Act is two, it? scene five. Okay, um... Okay, give me some music. Music, moody food of us that trade in love. So what does that remind you of, anyone? What other play? If music, if music be, be, the, be the food, food of, of love, love, play on. <laughs> nice. Good. Nice to hear two voices doing it. Yeah, which is the beginning of... Twelfth Night. Night. Right. Uh, it's, it's Orsino at the beginning of Twelfth Night. Okay, good. Um, so they all call for the music, ho, and here comes Marty, and, and remember, um, it's his voice that, um, she talks about. Um, so here comes Marty, and then what's her response immediately? Cleopatra. Uh, let it alone, let's to billiards, come Charmian. So, um, yeah, it's, um, uh, whenever she sees Marty, and she's the, he's the opposite of um of of Antony. So uh, my arm is sore. Best play with Marty. As well a woman with a eunuch played, as well as with a woman. Come, you'll play with me, sir? So you all get the joke there? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> Just Um and when goodwill is showed Though it come too short, the actor may plead pardon. All none now. Give me mine angle. Reel to the river. There my music playing far off I will betray. Tawny finned fishes. My bended hook shall pierce their slimy jaws. And as I draw them up, I'll think them every one and Antony and say, Aha, you're caught. So there's that Aunt Antony again that we talked about last time. Um, and she's going to betray the fishes. Um, uh... So she's talking now about seducing um, Antony. We talked about this very rapidly, but seducing Antony um, is like catching fishes. You put out a lure, you bring them in. Um, she's angling, and the music will be playing far off. And then she'll think everyone and Antony and say, aha, you're caught. So Charmian remembers um, a past moment. Uh, Twas merry when you waited on your angler, when your diver, when your diver did hang a saltfish on his hook, which he with fervency drew up. So what did her diver do? She got a diver to go underwater while they were fishing, and uh, what did he do? The diver. He like put a fish on her hook for her. I think is what it's saying to like. So, the, so that she thought she caught a fish. No, the, so the fish is actually on his hook. It sounds like she was wagering probably against Antony, I guess, but the diver went down and put, like, dried fish, so, like, it was, like, already caught and preserved on Yeah, it's like, so it yeah, be real. yeah, exactly. The joke is that he, he thought he had a fish, and he pulled it up, and it was a piece of lox. It was already dried and pre prepared and ready to eat, so... Um, there they were supposedly um, doing this wager, and Antony takes his wager seriously. Um, and instead, he pulls up, you know, the, the cartoon version of this is you pull up a boot. But um, this version, right? You've all seen cartoons where people go fishing and they pull up a boot? 
that's mm-hmm. like a standard meme in the in the in the cartoon universe. Yeah. So here it's um, he pulled up a dried a salt fish, a dried fish, a fish that's been salted, and Cleopatra remembers this and says, "That time, oh times, I left him out of pa- I left him out of patience, and that night I left him into patience, and the next morn, ere, ere the night hour, I drunk him to his bed." Then put my tires and mantles on him whilst I wore his sword, Philippian. Okay, so that is a um, wonderful account, I think, of what their lives are like together. So he got irritated, and she just laughed and laughed. I laughed him out of patience, and she just teased him, and he couldn't stand it. Um, but then that night I laughed him into patience. So that's what she does. She laughs at him and then keeps laughing, and he goes from being impatient to becoming patient again. So hang on to that line because you're going to see something like that happen later in this play um, where he becomes completely impatient with her and then she keeps doing what she's doing and um, then he becomes patient with her again. That time, oh times, I laughed him out of patience and that night I laughed him into patience and next morning, ear the ninth hour, that is before 9 a.m., so this is kind of early. The next morning, ear the ninth, ninth hour, I drunk him to his bed. So she outdrank him. He had to go to bed. Then put my tires and mantles on him whilst I wore his sword, Philippin. So what do they do in bed? Have sex. The, yeah, they had, they had sex, but what did they do? What cosplay did they do before they had sex? Oh, she like wears, is it that where they're talking about like the swishing yeah. that they do? Yeah, exactly. So this is what was already predicted with the, um, she's, um, he's uh, not more uh, manly than she is. She's not more womanish than he is. So yeah, they're, they're doing cosplay in bed. They're um, switching um, gender or, or uh, gen- gender um, dresses, dressing, um, literally transvestitism. Um, the sword Philippin, yeah. The sword, so the sword is that Matt, you're asking about the sword. The sword is um, the sword that he had used um, in the Battle of Philippi, which is in Julius Caesar, and his sword is named for <coughs> the success that he had in that battle against Brutus and Cassius, and he's proud of that sword. And um, now she's wearing it, so she's the one who's got the sword in bed. So yeah, it's, um, this, this is pretty, the, the um, sexuality here is pretty overt. Um, I have a quick question. Sure. Um, how long have Antony and Cleopatra like been together at this point? Well, it's, um, you're asking about a, a quantity of time that uh, Shakespeare is not paying attention to. So the point is that, um, in reality not that long but by the end of the play over 10 years so because the play feels as though it's all taking place at more or less the same time because as with Macbeth but more so you don't feel like we're seeing 10 years pass in the course of this play Um, what you feel like is that everything is leading to the next thing um because because it's it's um um there's that sense of each event leading to the next one you think of it as taking place in um uh a time of life 
And in that time of life, Antony and Cleopatra have been together for um, enough time that each is um, all to the other. And when Antony says there is not a minute of our life should stretch without some pleasure now, that um, opening line, that uh, not quite his opening line, but um, the line in Act 1, Scene 1, the idea would be that um, everything in the play is, to quote, to quote John Keats, they're loading every rift with ore. Um, they are making every, every moment count, and they're making it all rich. And so the time that she's remembering, you know, is it a long time ago? Is it just recently? Remember that line I quoted you from the, the note that Emily Dickinson made on Antony's lines, since Cleopatra died, I have lived in such dishonor that the gods detest my baseness. And Emily Dickinson's note on that was that engulfing sense. So whenever Antony and Cleopatra separate in any way at all, um, it feels like they are now in a present for which um, the past was prologue, to quote another line of Shakespeare's, um, and in which um, the only past that counts and the past that they want to go back to is a past that could have been just a minute ago, um, but it's a past where, which, which um, it's the only thing they see in the past. It's a past which, which screens um, any time before the time that they met. The only time that's mattering to them in this play is the time that they've been together. And so it's, so the, it's very rare that you'll have a recollection of something before that, as when Cleopatra is teased for the way she felt about um, Julius Caesar, the way she felt about Pompey. That's a past before Antony, but it's very, very rare that either of them will recollect a past before each other. They have become um, what their lives have been, is that they've been together. And, um, and it's great. It's not, they've been together without um, any sense that they've been together so long that they're no longer interesting to each other. And that's partly because Cleopatra is so good at sustaining her interest in him and at teasing him into a sustained interest in her. And so every minute stretches with pleasure. So here comes a messenger and um, she's always been looking um, forward to the messengers from Antony. He's sending her pearls, he's doing, her th he's doing all sorts of things. Here comes a messenger and Cleopatra, go on. Oh, from Italy, ram, thy, ram thou thy fruitful tidings in mine ears, that long time have been barren. Okay, so stop Madam, right Madam. there. Wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Um, do you see the sexuality there? Shakespeare does have this thing with putting stuff into people's ears. Um, <laughs> and, um, ha um, of course, the ghost in Hamlet, um, into the portions of mine ears did pour the leprous distillment, but Hamlet himself says, you shall not do my ear the offense of hearing you, um, speak against yourself. Othello has all sorts of stuff about, um, putting stuff into the ear, into ears. Um, for Shakespeare, that's because that's what drama is, is that you're hearing people and hearing what they have to say. So he's very interested 
in what can be taken in by the ear. But here, ram thou the, thy fruitful tidings in my ears, in mine ears that a long time have been barren. So my ears have been barren. I haven't heard much of Antony in the last couple of minutes. So ram the fruitful tidings in my mine ears so that they'll stop being barren. So it's kind of grotesque, and um, you're not supposed to have time to think about how grotesque it is, but it's also just part of the wildness, um, the, the, the sort of um, um, uh, joyful wildness of her language, the joyfully sexualized wildness of her language, you could say. So the messenger. Madam, madam. So is that how you want to say it? <laughs> Sorry, Grace, but it's like good evening at the Moscow Art Theater. Um, try it again. Okay. Madam, madam. What's he trying to um, do by saying those two words? I'd imagine, like, get her attention. Yeah, get her attention. Well, Cleopatra, what is it that, what is it that you say immediately when the messenger says, madam, madam? Antonio's dead if that's so, yeah, so, yeah. so 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 right so she can tell from his tone that there's something wrong so grace give it the tone that will allow cleopatra to tell that there's something wrong madam madam okay good um that is don't you look ecstatic to see me don't so here again we have a messenger um, who doesn't like the message that he has to deliver. Where did we see that before? In the first scene with Antony? Yeah, in, um, in the scene where the messenger um, is, finds it hard to tell Antony what's happening and says the nature of bad news infects the teller. And Antony says, not with me. Um, though in his tale, who tells me true, though in his tale lies death, I hear him as he flattered. So now we're going to see Cleopatra's response to a messenger with bad news. So Cleopatra. Uh, sorry, is it similar kind of to how Anabarbus's tone changes immediately when he finds out that Fulvia is dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, but this is the messenger whose tone is, yeah, it's, it's another place where the tone of the play is changing where what you have that we've seen from the soothsayer on are characters who have different um, senses of what the mood of the scene should be. And they are trying to convey their own sense of what the mood of the scene should be. The, what, what we saw, I think I mentioned this, but the, the place where we saw this in Macbeth was where Ross comes in to tell Macduff that his wife and, and um, babes have been killed. Um, and he has a great deal of difficulty giving the news because the mood is wrong for the news that he has to deliver. So the messenger, madam, madam, Cleopatra. Uh, Antonio's dead. If thou say so, villain, thou kills to thy mistress be well and free if thou so yield him there is gold and here my bluest veins to kiss a hand that kings have lipped and trembled kissing okay first, so sorry go ahead okay uh first madam he is well why there's more gold so, but serum mark we wait 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 stop 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 okay. um where um do you remember how that works with Macduff and ross that they sleep well yeah, Cassie. 
Yeah, he also says that um, they're well, but by well, he means they're, like, theoretically in heaven or, like, beyond earthly concerns. Yeah. Um, Not that they're alive. Right. So the way he's trying to do, the way he's trying to do it is um, basically to say they're they're dead, but um, I'm putting it in such a way that you shouldn't see death as a terrible, terrible thing. It's the best I can do. Um, but here, um, he actually means he's well, he's fine. Um, so back to Cleopatra's speech, if thou say so, villain, thou killest thy mistress. If you say he's dead, then you're going to kill me. But well and free, if thou so yield him, if you tell, if you yield, if you admit that he's well and free, then there's gold. And plus you can kiss my hand. Imagine that kissing Cleopatra's hand. Um, so she's trying to bribe the messenger to have the news that she wants the messenger to have, which um, uh, usually doesn't work. Occasionally presidents will do that and um, will say that bad news is fake news, but usually it doesn't work to try to bribe, um, the, try, try to change the news by bribing the person who tells the news. Um, so the messenger slowly, first man of me as well, Cleopatra. Why, there's more gold, but Sarah, Mark, we used to say, the dead are well. Bring so it to that. So that's Macduff. Right. Sorry? That's Macduff. That the dead are well. Mark, we oh, used to say the right. dead are well. That's what's happening with Macduff. Okay, go on. Bring it to that, the gold I give thee will I melt and pour down thy ill-uttering throat. Could madam hear me? Well, go to, I will, but there's no goodness in thy face. If Antony be free and helpful, so tart a favor to trumpet such good tidings. If not, well, thou shouldst come like a fury crowned with snakes, not like a formal man. So, um, messenger, um, Cleopatra says, oh, here's Elise. Cleopatra says, um, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Good madam, hear me. And she says, okay, I will. And then she just keeps talking. Um, and in fact, she doesn't want to hear what he has to say because she can tell from his face that, um, it's not so good. Um, so if he's not well, you should look like a fury. Who are the furies? Um, they're like from Greek mythology, they would like punish like murder. Mm hmm. Yes. And like, they would like torment you and like chase you around. Okay, good. Um, so they are the, also sometimes, well, they, so, so the last play in Aeschylus' trilogy, the Oresteia, has anyone read that? I have. Um, so do you remember the title of the last play? Uh, the Eumenides. And who are the Eumenides? Uh, the Furies. Yeah, they're the Furies. They're called the Kindly Ones. That's literally what Eumenides means, but they're, you're calling them kindly so that they don't punish you. So, um, kindly ones are not so good. Um, some of you may know there's a novel by um, Jonathan Littell called The Kindly Ones, which is about um, uh, concentration camps. So, um, not so kindly. Um, okay, so the messenger tries to get in a word edgewise, and Cleopatra says... Or, the messenger first. Well, please you hear me? I have a mind to strike thee ere thou speak, yet if thou say Antony lives as well, or friends with Caesar or not captive to him, I'll set thee in a shower of gold and hail rich pearls upon thee. 
Madam, he's well. Well said. And friends with Caesar. Thou art an honest man. So she's delighted. Go on. Caesar and he are greater friends than ever. Make thee a fortune from me. But yet, madam. I do not like but yet. Yep. It does Who does? Been. Who does? No one likes I, but yet. I do not like but yet. It does allay the good precedence. What is that? Wait, what does that mean? Someone paraphrase it. It, it, it uh, ruins, it, it undoes um, the thing which comes before it. Good. Um, fie upon but yet, but yet is a jailer to bring forth some monstrous malefactor. Prithee, friend, pour out the pack of matter to mine ear, the good and bad together. He's friends with Caesar in state of health, thou sayest, and thou sayest free. Free, madam, no, I made no such report. He's bound unto Octavia. So remember, she's the one who said, if thou yield him safe and free, um, sorry, if thou yield him well, uh, but well and free if thou so yield him. And no, the messenger has never said free. So he's bound unto Octavia, Cleopatra. For what good turn? So what does that mean? Why does she ask that question? What is, what's he have to do in, in response? Yeah, so basically it's she's she's taking bound unto Octavia figuratively. That is um, when we say much obliged. That is, you know, um, you've done you've done a good done me a good turn, and now I'm bound to be your friend, or bound to repay it, or bound to owe you for what you've done for me. So all that's good. So he's bound unto Octavia um, for what good turn, and then the messenger just can't stop it. The best turn of the bed. So I am. He's yeah. He's got to give her good sex. That's what he's bound to do because they're married. I am pale, Charmian. So that's, again, she's being a drama queen. It's not only does she turn pale, but um, she announces it. Madam, she's married to Octavia. The most infectious pestilence upon her, upon thee. Upon oh. thee, yeah. <laughs> upon thee. Could Madam Patience. What say you? No, it's, you're still talking? That's what, what say you means there. Oh, what say you? Hence, horrible villain, or I'll spurn thine eyes like a balls before me. I'll unhair thy head. Thou shalt be whipped with wire and stewed in brine, smarting in lingering pickle. So, not a good message that he's brought her. Gracious madam, I, the, I that do bring the news made not, made not the match. Say, tis not so. A province I will give thee, and make thy fortunes proud. The blow thou hast shall make thy peace for moving me to rage. And I will boot thee with that with what gift beside thy modesty can beg. So, just tell me it's not true, and you'll be rich. He's married, madam. Rogue, thou hast lived too long. Nay, then I'll run. What mean you, madam? I have made no fault. Okay, Charmian. Some innocent scape, not the thunderbolt, melt, melt Egypt into Nile, and kindly creatures turn all to serpents. Okay, stop, stop. What's going on with those verbs? A third person imperative. Yeah, 
And again, notice that it's a very strange verb. Melt is a very strange verb to put in the imperative, but um, because it's so um, non-active, non, um, I don't know, call it percussive, a verb, not a verb that really um, hits something else, does something very, very actively, an intransitive verb. So melt Egypt into Nile. Um, when did when did Antony use the word melt? Anyone remember? Did he say it about Rome melting into the Tiber? It's yes. Like almost the exact same thing. Right. Let Rome in Tiber melt and the wide arch of the ranged empire fall. So, um, so Talia says, why does Cleopatra stay with Antony even though she's, she's married? Um, do you mean he's married, Talia? Yeah, I mean he's married. Yeah. Um, is she just too in love with him? I feel like um, him marrying Cleopatra is pretty tell. Sorry, marrying Octavia is pretty telling of his true feelings and intentions. Well, remember that um, he's making the marriage for his peace is what he said. That is that he and C he and Octavius Caesar um, are close to open um, hostility towards each other, and then Agrippa comes up with the idea that if they got married, that would be a marriage that would ally the two, um, uh, these two major figures together. And then what we heard was um, Enobarbus talking to um, Messinus and, um, and uh, Messinus says, now he must leave Cleopatra utterly. And Enobarbus says, never, he will not. It's not gonna happen. Um, he's too in love with Cleopatra. And so then why doesn't he just, like, tell Cleopatra that he's marrying her for the sake of, like, politics rather than, like, letting her find out from someone else? Well, so what we're going to find out, and this is going to be um, in a fight that he and Cleopatra have later, um, he is going to feel guilty about betraying Octavia. Um, but what we're going to find out is that part of the point is that he is supposed to show her the duties of a husband. And um, that is part of what Agrippa and Octavius's plan is, that he will stay in Athens or in Rome. That is um, very close. Athens and Rome are very close to each other, just just over the, over the Aegean Sea. Um, and will be present to govern the Roman Empire um, rather than off in Alexandria um, where whenever Antony goes to Alexandria, trouble starts brewing in Rome. So um, it's not the case that Caesar is going to permit him to two-time Octavia. The whole point is that Antony will be obliged to um, not only, it's not only an alliance with Caesar through Octavia, but it's an alliance where he actually has to be present, where they're going to be working together at the center of the Roman Empire. Um, that center, you could say, being the, um, uh, the two foci of the Roman ellipse would be Athens and Rome. And um, in the meantime, Cleopatra... Um, is you know she's she's get she she will get it um but for her it's really the question is um is antony going to 
be spending all his time in Alexandria with her or not? Is there anything else? Um, so that's why she sees him at the beginning, the scare-spirited Caesar or Fulvia. Um, they are interfering with um, what she wants to be doing with Antony, which is endless partying and sex, um, with that endless partying and sex being the noblest thing you can do, not the waste of time or not something that um, there's something better that you can do with your life than that. For Antony and Cleopatra, at least for Cleopatra, and for the Antony who is the Antony of um, that couple, Antony and Cleopatra, it means all his attention should be directed to her as all her attention is directed to him. That's the um, love story aspect of it. So the idea that he would marry someone else, um, you know, again, think of the parts of this play that have the structure of Shakespeare's comedies. And the idea that someone in a comedy would marry someone else but say, but you're still my main squeeze, that's not going to work in a comedy. And um, that's exactly what Cleopatra wants is what um, people in comedy want. Um, not the happy ending necessarily, but the um, complete erotic intensity with the other person. And marrying for political reasons, that's not the kind of play she wants to be in. That's not the kind of world she wants to be in. So it's a good question, and I, I do think Shakespeare gives you an implicit, maybe even explicit answer, and you'll get, you'll get more of it in this scene. So, um, um, so Charmian? Uh, he is a fear to come. Cleopatra. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just a little... Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, I will not hurt him. These hands do lack nobility that they strike a meaner than myself, since I myself have given myself the cause. So she says, it's my fault. Um, I'm the one who put myself in a position where I should be so upset. So here comes the messenger. This is like the only scene ever where a messenger, in Shakespeare, where a messenger is actually part of a dramatic interaction like this, that he leaves, that he comes back, that he has to be convinced to come back. That um, So this is exactly when the question of messengers came up at the very beginning of this course. Um, this is exactly um, the uh, culmination of that question in Shakespeare. Again, it's so opposite to what's called the Senecan messenger from the plays of Seneca. Um, where the messenger is merely a conduit of information, merely the kind of thing that you would get in a fax. Um, here, this messenger is like, um, he's, he's a pretty interesting, for someone who's supposed to be an utterly minor character, messengers are like nobodies in plays. This messenger is not a bad role to have if you're... Um, if you're offered it, if you're ever offered this this role, like in the National Theater or something, you could do worse. So, Cleopatra? Come hither, sir. Though it be honest, it is never good to bring bad news. Uh, uh, give to a gracious message an host of tongues, but let ill tidings tell themselves when they be felt. I have done my duty. 
Is he married? I cannot hate thee worser than I do, if thou again say yes. He's married, madam. The gods confound thee. Dost thou hold there still? So, um, do you think the audience would be laughing as they watch this scene? It's a farcical scene. Yeah, any audience, if you go see Annie Cleopatra and it's at all well done, the audience is going to be laughing by this point um, at this poor hapless messenger and um, Cleopatra's rage when she says, I'm not mad anymore, Um, just tell the truth. Um, Is he married? I'm not going to get mad. Don't worry, he's married. What the fuck? Um, So, yeah, this is, this. if, if at all well done, this is a hilarious scene. And um, that's, again, part of the kind of comic point of it. So go on. Should I lie, madam? Oh, I would thou didst. So half my Egypt were submerged and made a cistern for scaled snakes. Go get thee hence. Hadst thou Narcissus in thy face to me, thou thou wouldst appear most ugly. He is married? I crave your highness's pardon. So he, he doesn't married. want. So notice he doesn't want to answer. He is married. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to say anymore. But she insists. He is married. Take no offense that I would not offend you. To punish me for what you make me do seems much unequal. He's married to Octavia. Oh, that his faults should make a knave of thee. Thou that art not what thou art sure of. That act yeah. not. That act not what thou that art act sure. not what thou art sure of. Get thee hence. The merchandise which thou hast brought from Rome are all too dear for me. Lie thy lie they upon thy hand and be undone by them. So um yep, you should be undone by this the merchandise the messenger is bringing. Yeah. Is. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Elisa, oh, mute yourself. It's not a goatee, it's a full no, beard. Oh, Check it out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the merchandise that you're bringing is um, the the messen- the the news that you have, um, and I'm not going to pay for that for that merchandise. Um, the messenger exits. Charmin. Uh, good, your highness. Patience. And now she's going to think back on the past again. In praising Antony, I have dispraised Caesar. So that's Julius Caesar. Many times, madam. I am paid for it now. Let lead me from hence. I faint. Oh, Iris, Charmian, tis no matter. Go to the fellow. Go, go to the fellow. Good Alexis. Bid him report the failure of Octavia. The feature. Feature. Year, feature. The feature of Octavia. Her years. Her inclination. Let him not leave out the color of her hair. Bring me word quickly. So now she wants to know more. Let him forever go. Let him not, Charmian. The, though he be painted one way like a grogan. Like a gorgon, the other ways a Mars. Bid you, Alexis, bring me word how tall she is. Pity me, Charmian, but do but do not speak to me. Lead me to my chamber. So she's really upset. Notice that she compares him to a gorgon. Um, so he looks like Mars if you look at him from one 
perspective. This is like a um, those drawings where you can see two different um, images. Uh, most famous is the duck rabbit. Everyone knows about those. Or the um, young woman, um, old woman. You see the um, young woman in profile, or you see the old woman from behind. Um, oh, um, so um, they had paintings like that in Shakespeare's day too. And so the idea would be that um, if you look at him in, if you look at Antony one way, he looks like Mars, but if you look at him another way, he looks like a Gorgon. Who are the Gorgons, anyone? Who's the most- uh, Like the, Medusa. Yeah, yeah Medusa. the Medusa is the most famous of the three Gorgons. Um, so notice that she's now comparing him to a female monster. So there again, you get that gender um, uh, transitioning in the description of Antony. Um, so she wants to know more about Octavia, but she's also very, very upset. Okay, Act 2, Scene 6, and we need Pompey, Caesar, Antony, Lepidus. Um, I think that may be it. Eventually we'll need Inabarbus, but let's let's do those. So um, anyone but not cool, volunteer. I can... I can hop back on and do uh, Pompey. Okay, so Matthew, you're Pompey. We need a Caesar. Um, okay, Cassie, you're Caesar. Um, we need a um, Lepidus. I can read Lepidus. Okay, great. And we need an Antony. Um, I can do it. Okay, good. Go for it. So... There they are. They um, this is this is where um, Pompey's always been by Mount Messina. Now they've arrived there. Remember, Lepidus said it'll take two days um, because I'm going the longer way. So now we know it's a few days later, and they finally got to where Pompey is waiting, and Pompey and um, Caesar are speaking. Pompey, uh, your hostages I have, so have you mine. And we shall talk before we fight. So why have they exchanged hostages? Um, because is it because um, see, is it because Octavia and Antony are married now? So there's kind of like peace. No, there or? isn't peace between Pompey and Caesar. But what they're going to do is they're going to negotiate um, before they go to war. So they're about to go to war, but because they've exchanged hostages, that is each side has someone very, very um, valuable to the other leader, um, they are in a position where um, they will negotiate and um, if either of them betrays the other, they'll kill the hostages. Um, that's what, ha do you know what play famously um, it's not hostages, but prisoners are killed in Shakespeare. It's kind of an appalling moment. Henry V has the French prisoners killed in Henry V. It's usually left out of productions because it's a terrible moment. But the idea is, the whole idea of the exchange of hostages is that um, you can rely on not being betrayed at that very moment because you have the hostages of the other person. So it makes it possible now to have a negotiation. And so that's what's being announced at the beginning of this scene. Caesar. 
most meet that first we come towards, and therefore we have our written purposes before us then. Which if thou hast considered, let us know if twill tie up thy discontented sword and carry back to Sicily much tall youth that else must perish here. So they're not going to go into it at great length. I've already sent you my proposal. Um, so is that enough? And then we'll save lots of young men who would otherwise die. Tall youth, young men who would otherwise die. Pompey. The senators alone of this great world chief factors for the gods i do not know wherefore my father should revengers want having a son and friends since julius caesar who at philippi the good brutus ghosted there saw you laboring for him what was that moved pale cassius to conspire and what made the all-honored honest roman brutus with the armed rest courtiers of beauteous freedom to drench the capital but that they would have one man, but a man. Okay, so stop there. Um, so what is Pompey um, summarizing? Julius Caesar? Yeah, he's summarizing the play. And he's saying that the reason Brutus and Cassius went against Julius Caesar is that they would have one man, but a man. That is, they don't want Caesar to be the tyrant and emperor of Rome. Um, they want him just to be a man and not someone who thinks he's an all-powerful dictator. So that is why they went against him. And he says that, um, of course, his father, um, who's been killed by um, by. Uh, those who were defending Caesar or, or going against those who had attacked Caesar, of course his father sh um, shouldn't want a revenger. He's going to revenge his father. Um, and um, um, he, and just as, um, uh, well, that, that he's going to revenge his father. Um, and uh, Julius Caesar was a ghost who haunted um, um, Brutus after he was killed. That happens in the play. And um, now he is going to take revenge on those who defended Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar had killed his father, so now he's going to take revenge on those who have been on Julius Caesar's side. And it was all because they were anti-imperialist, anti anti-dictatorship. Um, okay, pick up from there, Pompey. Uh, and this, or, and that is it, hath made me rig my navy, at whose burden the angered ocean foams, with which I meant to scourge the ingratitude that despiteful Rome cast on my noble father. So stop there for a second. At whose burden the angered ocean foams. What's the image? A storm? Well, um... Oh, the oars. Yeah, good. The oars, the, <laughs> the burden of the ship. The, there are all these ships in the water, so they're making the water frothy. So, so where have we seen something like this before? Why in particular did you say oars, Grace? Um... Because, like, you can, I guess, like, a, you can, like, artificially froth the water if you have loads of ships, like, your whole navy is coming. Right, good. Right. 
And where it's, where have we seen um, oars in water before in this play? The burnished throne speech that Anabarbus gave. Right. So in both cases, what's happening is what the the what the oars what the ships do to the water is being described as the water um, going um, re- reacting emotionally to the ships. So in Enobarbus, the waves are pursuing the oars when in fact the oars are the ones who are making the waves, which are making the waves. Here, it's the ship is, the ships are causing the ocean to um, foam, but it's as though the ocean is foaming because it's angry at the ships. So this is the military version of what we saw on the River Sidness. Um, it's the same um, uh, structure of cause and effect being reversed, and um, but but it's um, boats in water in both cases. So this is another way of um, seeing what's going on in Italy as the inverse or converse or parallel of what's going on in Alexandria. Okay, go on. Take your time. So he's saying, yep, you're angry. Just keep talking. Thou canst not fear us, Pompey, with thy sails. We'll speak with thee at sea. At land thou knowest how much we do or count thee. So what's Antony saying there, quickly? Um, you can't fight us on land because we have a much larger army than you, but we'll fight you by sea. Mm-hmm. So um, the hang on to that because this question of fighting by land or fighting by sea where Antony is saying, yes, I'm an, we're absolute masters by land, but we're perfectly happy to fight you at sea too, when, where you're supposed to be, where it's supposed to be your advantage. Um, hang on to, oh, sorry, someone waiting. There we go. Um, um, that that um, Antony is going later on in the play to make the same decision to um, fight a battle by sea when he has, as um, uh, he's told, absolute mastery by land, and yet nevertheless he's, he's willing to fight by sea. So notice that that's something that he does. So Pompey? At land indeed thou dost or count me of my house, but see the cuckoo builds not for himself, remain in it as thou mayest. So this, this refers um, to something that I'm sure you remember from North. Um, by the way, I haven't been telling you to keep reading, but keep reading. Um, that um, Antony has gotten, bought Pompey's house. And um, Pompey was um, not happy about it um, and, um, and didn't give much money. And there was nothing, there was nothing that Pompey could do about it. So when Andy says, we or count you, um, and Pompey is saying, yeah, you also um, didn't pay what you owed for my father's house. You or counted, that is something like you um, said you were going to pay more than you did. But the cuckoo builds not for itself. Um, that is, I have no choice. It's um, you're the cuckoo and you've taken over my nest. So remain in it as thou mayest. I'm not going to make that a big deal. Be pleased to tell us, for this is from the present, how you take the offers we have sent you. 
that's the point or there's the point yeah nice which do not be entreated to but weigh what it is worth embraced and what may follow to try a larger portion so see if you think it's fair have made me offer of sicily sardinia i must rid all the sea of pirates and and measures of wheat to rome so notice the word measures uh, read upon to part with unhacked edges and bear back our charges undinted. What's a charge? Anyone? Shields. Shields, yeah. So edges are swords and charges are shields. It's uh, where we get the word target. Caesar, Antony, Lepidus. That's our offer. That's our offer. Okay, good. Oh, then, I came before you here, a man prepared to take this offer. But Mark Antony put me to some impatience. Though I lose the praise of it by telling, you must know when Caesar and your brother were at blows, your mother came to Sicily and did find her welcome friendly. So, so Pompey was good to Antony's mother. That is, um, that um, when his brother was fighting Caesar, um, their mother needed a place to go, and Pompey, instead of taking revenge, um, showed her um, hospitality. And he says, I lose the praise of it in telling. I shouldn't be boasting about this, but I really want you to know that. Anthony? I've heard it, Pompey, and am well studied for liberal thanks, which I do owe you. Let me have your hand. So now they've they've said good things to each other. I did not think, sir, to have met you here. Which we knew. That is, he's so surprised when he finds out that um, that Antony's on his way back. The beds of the east are soft, and thanks to you that it called me timelier than my purpose hither, for I have gained by it. So what's he gained? He, remember, he's saying this in front of Caesar. Oh, he's now mar remarried. Right. Yeah, so it's it's a good thing. Now I'm married to Octavia. That's just great. Caesar. Caesar. Sorry. Since I saw you last, there's a change upon. Well, I know not what counts harsh fortune cast upon my face, but in my bosom shall she never come to make my heart a baffle. Well, me, well met here. I hope so, Lepidus. Thus we are agreed. I crave our composition may be written and sealed between us. So, so they're all, yeah, they're, they're going to sign the treaty. Go on. That's the next to do. We'll feast each other ere we part, and let's draw lots who shall begin. That will I, Pompey. No, Anthony, take the lot. But first or last, your fine Egyptian cookery shall have the fame. I have heard that Julius Caesar grew fat with feasting there. You have heard much. So he, so Antony, Antony does not want to hear about what Julius Caesar was doing in Alexandria because what Julius Caesar was doing in Alexandria is um, having sex with Cleopatra. So he doesn't want to hear about Julius Caesar's time. And so that's kind of, there's a little edge there. Well, you've heard a lot, huh? And Pompey says, don't worry. Go on, Pompey. Uh, I have fair meanings, sir. 
and fair words to them. And so much have I heard, and I have Apollodorus read. Yeah, so um, Enobarbus doesn't want to hear that. Um, and because the story of Apollodorus that we know is, um, um, well, we may not know it from the reading that you did, but, um, Apollodorus helped, uh, Julius Caesar and Cleopatra have sex. So, Enobarbus discreetly cuts that story off. Or tries to. Enobarbus? Did we not assign any Enobarbus? I thought we did. Okay, I'll be Enobarbus. Um, no more of that. He did so. What? I pray you. A certain queen to Caesar in a mattress. I know thee now. How farest thou, soldier? Yeah, fairest. How do you fare? How farest thou, fair soldier? Well, and well I'm like to do, for I perceive four feasts are toward. So why are there four feasts in the offing? Because they're going to take turns each hosting a feast. Right, all four of them are going to host a feast. Good. Let me shake thy hand. I never hated thee. I have seen thee fight when I have envied thy behavior. Sir, I never loved you much, but I have praised ye when you have well deserved ten times as much as I have said you did. Look at that cleanness. If nothing ill becomes thee, aboard my galley I invite you all. Will you lead, Lords? Show us Show the way, the sir. Way. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, come. All right. So um, they've, they've made friends. They're now going to go aboard the ship. And um, the um, um, every, everything looks good. And then Enobarbus and Minos are left. Notice that Enobarbus is praised for his plainness. That's what we've um, earlier when he'd been plain and told to shut up. He's, remember, he said, go to your considerate stone. Um, so now Enobarbus and Minos are left. And remember who Minos is? Who is he? He is to Pompey what Enobarbus is to Antony. So the, the figures like that, the kind of trusted friends are Agrippa for Caesar, Minas for Pompey, and Enobarbus for Antony. So now we have Minas and Enobarbus together. And um, who wants to be Minas? So here's the question, Agrippa to whom? Agrippa to Caesar. Oh, okay, thank you. So who wants to be Minas? I'll call on someone. Okay, Nicole. Um, thy father, Pompey, would never have made this treaty. You and I have known, sir. So he, you and I have known, sir, as Enobarbus. So first he says, I can't believe what you did, Pompey. And then, yo, Enobarbus. Okay, I'll be Enobarbus. It's C, I think. We have, sir. You have done well by water. And you by land. I will praise any man that will praise me, though it cannot be denied that I have done by what I have done by land. Nor what I have done by water. Yes, something you can deny for your own safety. You have been a great thief at by sea. 
And you by land. There I deny my land service. But give me your hand, Minos. If our eyes had authority, here they might take two thieves kissing. So they both admit that they're thieves. Um, that is, that they do some looting in their battling. And um, they know each other. And there's honor among thieves, or at least friendship among thieves. All men's faces are true. What's their hands are? But there is never a fair woman has a true face. No slander. They steal hearts. So no slander means no joke. Um, what you're saying is um, quoted for truth. No slander is the 17th century version of QFT, quoted for truth. If I may interrupt. Yeah. Um, I'm a little confused. Are they not going to war anymore? No, they've, they've just made peace. So the point is that that's the deal that Pompey um, uh, lists the offers uh, starting at line 35 you, or 34. You've made me offer of, Sicil of Sicily, Sardinia, etc. Then he says, I, was, I came here prepared to take the offer, but then Antony got me a little bit pissed off. But then he and Antony make friends again, and um, then they agree to take the offer. And that's why Minas is... Um, upset because he thinks that Pompey um, sold himself um, too cheaply. Um, but now he and Enobarbus are friends, they're, um, and they're waiting to go on board um, for the feast, but they haven't gone on board yet. Um, so, um, we came hither to fight with you. For my part, I am sorry it has turned to a drinking. Pompey doth, Pompey doth this day laugh away his fortune. So hang on to that line, that he laughs away his fortune. Um, later, someone will say, we have kissed kingdoms away. So this idea that you have a fortune and you just laugh it away, that's what Minas is complaining about Pompey. If he do so, sure, he cannot weep it back again. You said, sir, we that look is, not I agree from with our... you. As you say, you said, sir, that's right. You said, sir, we looked not for Mark Antony here. Pray you, is he married to Cleopatra? Um, Caesar's sister is called Octavia. True, sir, she was the wife of Caius Marcellus. But now, but she is now the wife of Marcus Antonius. Pray you, sir. Tis true. Then is Caesar and his forever knit together? Yeah, so, well, now there's no way that they're going to lose. If I were bound to divine of this unity, I would not prophesy so. I think the policy of that purpose made more in the marriage than the love of the parties. So um, Minas immediately gets that it's for political reasons. That's what policy means there. Okay. Cassie, you're back. Okay, that's what policy means there. Um... um I think so too, but you shall find the band that seems to tie their friendship together will be the very strangler of their amity. So the thing that seems to tie them together is going to strangle them. Octavia is of a holy, cold, and still conversation. So she's um, perfect and self-effacing um, and moral and good. Um, Minas? Who would not have his wife so? So, isn't that what you want in a wife? Asks Minas, and Ina Barbas's answer is, not he that himself is not so. 
which is Mark Antony. So no, there's no way Mark Antony wants someone like Octavia as his wife. He will to his Egyptian dish again. So who's his Egyptian dish? Cleopatra. Yep. Then shall the size of Octavia blow the fire up in Caesar. So remember what Antonio, what Antony was described as um, by um, Demetrius at the opening. The bellows and the fan to cool a gypsy's lust. So um, here again we have. Sorry, Philo, not Demetrius. Here again we have um, um, the idea of um, breath changing and causing things to happen. The size of Octavia shall blow the fire up in Caesar. And as I said before, that which is the strength of their amity shall prove the immediate author of their variance. Antony will use his affection where it is. He married but his occasion here. So it's the, it's the difference between affection, which is with Cleopatra, and occasion. That's the... Um, um, that, that, those are the uh, things that those that's the opposition here. And thus it may be. Come, sir, will you aboard? I have health for you. I have a health for you. I shall. That is, I'm going to drink your health. I shall take it, sir. We have used our throats in Egypt. What does that mean? What do you use your throats to do? Drink. 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 Yes. So we. That's what we've done in Egypt. Uh, come, let's away. Okay, so now we need a couple of servants and a lot of um, important people. We'll need Antony, um, Lepidus, Pompey, um, I can keep being Inabarbus, and Caesar. So, um, first servant. You should volunteer. Um, if you don't want to speak, you should volunteer because you'll do something. You'll, you'll get a small role if you pick one of the servants. So, first servant. Okay, Nicole, your first servant. Second servant. Okay, Prue, second servant. Um, Antony. Okay, Matthew, you're Antony. Uh, Lepidus. I'm going to call on someone. All right, Cassie, you're Lepidus. Um, I'll do Enobarbus. Who's going to do Minas this time? Okay, Grace, you're Minas. What? Yeah. <laughs> what, you okay. don't want to be? It's not that bad. And, Pom oh. and Pompey. I can read Pompey. Okay, good. So, first servant. Here we are on board ship. Here they'll be, man. Some of their plants are ill-rooted already. The least wind in the world will blow them down. So this isn't going to last, says the servant. Lepidus is high-colored. They've made him drink on drink. As they pinch one another by the disposition, he cries out, no more, reconciles them to his entreaty and himself to the drink. So they're, uh, all, te they're all teasing him, and he's, he's um, teasing too and just drinking more and more. And he's not a drinking man. But it raises the greater war between him and his discussion. His discretion. Discretion. So, yeah, okay, but it is the greater war between him and his discretion. So, yeah, he's, um, as Lepidus gets drunk, he becomes um, less um, um, introverted, let's say. Why, 
this is it to have a name in Great Men's Fellowship. I had as leaf have read that will do me no service as a partisan I could not heave. So there, even the servants are saying Lepidus is, is just not important in the triumvirate. That Lepidus is trying to be one of the three people ruling Rome, but he's of no importance, whatever. And, um, oh, Matthew, you got, um, and because he's of no importance, whatever, um, it, it's, um, he's, he's just, um, now he's getting drunk and trying to be a big man, but he isn't. And, um, I would uh, just as much have a reed that will do me no service. That is just take a piece of straw to a battle as a huge, large, um, um, partisan as a spear or an ax, um, that is too heavy to heave. If, if you're not going to be able to use your weapon, it's better to have something light um, than something heavy. And um, Lepidus is someone who um, can't heave the partisan that is the, um, the power that he is supposed to be possessing. Um, first servant. To be called into a huge sphere and, to not, and not to be seen to move in it, are the holes where eyes should be, which pitiful disaster the cheeks, which yeah. pitifully disaster the cheeks. So Lepidus is supposed to be in this large sphere, but he's he's no good at it, so he's like an eyeless skull. Okay, do 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 do. Everyone comes in, and then Antony, um, as they come in, he is telling Lepidus about Egypt. So Antony. Thus do they, sir, they take the flow of the Nile by certain scales of the pyramid. They know by the height the lowness or the mean if dearth or foison follow. The higher Nilus swells, the more it promises. As it ebbs, the seedsman upon the slime and ooze scatters his grain and shortly comes to harvest. So that is going back to what? What's being explained that has already been referred to? Overflowing overflowing and um it's precisely what um when iris says there's a hand presageth chastity and charmian's response is even as the overflowing nile presageth presageth famine so here again you get this idea of overflowing but what Antony now is doing is he's describing how you can measure the overflow. So the, um, that opposition between measuring and overflowing that is the first um, uh, line of the play, nay, but this dotage of our generals or flows the measure, now um, what we're having is somehow a combination of the two. Um, Matthew says they drank a lot, and uh, LV says not that he himself is not so, which is Mark Antony, also bears the meaning of Antony being himself. Good, is bound to go back to um, the gypsy's lust. Yeah, that's right, LV. Sorry, that was a couple minutes ago, but yes, okay. So, Lepidus, drunk, remember, Lepidus, you're very drunk. You've strange serpents there. Antony. Hi, Lepidus. Your serpent of Egypt is bred now of your mud by the operation of your son. So is your crocodile. So do you, anyone remember another place where Shakespeare, wait, wait, wait. Anyone remember another place where Shakespeare uses the word you're that way? 
it's it's a it's an informal usage you know well you take you, you know you're getting your car you're getting a car fixed and the car mechanic says well you take your muffler and when it when it's when it's um uh detached from the from from your tailpipe like this etc so that kind of informal use of your do you do you, do you hear an echo from some other shakespeare play it's the way the grave digger talks in hamlet um and says um your your water is a great corrosive of of your dead body i'm not quoting it exactly but it's the same use of your um it's charming Okay, so Lepus, oh, you serpent of Egypt, he's drunk. Go on. Is bread, is it, um, so, so uh, this is a wrong biological theory, um, but go on. They are so. Sit and some wine, a health to Lepidus. So they want him to be even drunker. They're enjoying I am not drunk. so well as they should be, but I'll nair out. So he's about to puke. Oh, me. <laughs> Not till you have slept. I fear me you'll be in till then. So you're going to be, um, he says, I'm just going to keep drinking. Um, and he says, well, you're going to be inside um, until you've slept. You can barely move. Um, Lepidus? Nay, certainly. I've heard the Ptolemy's pyramids are very goodly things. Without contradiction, I have heard that. So that's a that's a false plural. Um, he's trying to say pyramids, and it comes out as pyramuses. Okay. Won't be a word. Say in mine ear, what is it? Forsake thy seat, I do beseech thee, Captain, and hear me speak a word. Forbear me till anon, this wine for Lepidus. So in the meantime, he says, drink! And that, now he's going to talk to Minas. What manner of thing is your crocodile? It is shaped, sir, like itself, and it is as broad as it hath breadth. It is just so high as it is, and moves with its own organs. It lives by that which nourisheth it, and the elements, once out of it, it transmigrates. So, uh, that's helpful. <laughs> what kind? color is it of of its own color too tis a sorry you're muted tis so and the tears of it are wet is someone caesar yeah talia i'm not caesar oh okay i'll be caesar then will this description satisfy him so it's a completely empty description will this description satisfy him With the health that Pompey gives him, else he is a very epicure. Yeah, so he's really going to be greedy if he's not satisfied with all the wine plus this really helpful description. Um, let's just do a couple more lines. Um, no hang, sir, hang. Tell me of that away. Do as I bid you. Where's this cup I called for? So Pompey is really pissed at whatever it was that Minos has just said to him. If for the sake of merit thou wilt hear me rise from thy stool. I think thou art mad the matter i have ever held my cap off to thy fortunes thou hast served me with much faith what else to say be jolly lords so um why don't we just stop there since i'm keeping you too late but uh 
the Jolly Lords. Maybe that very day he had Macbeth at the other banquet scene that he wrote about. Um, maybe he wrote the line for Macbeth, be large in mirth. So here is a banquet and everyone is getting drunk and it's supposed to be a good time, but something else is going on that um, could suggest violence and death. And that's the conversation that um, Minas and Pompey are having. Um, maybe you could even think of it as it's, it's a little bit of a stretch um, or you have to do a little bit of stretching to make the connection, but you could think of it a little bit as like the conversation in asides between Macbeth and Lady Macbeth at the, at the banquet that Banquo's ghost shows up at. Okay, you guys, so um, I hope you're all doing okay. Um, as I say, we don't meet again till um, a week from Tuesday. So I will send you whatever it is I can figure out how to send you from Cavell and from Bloom and from, what's her name, Quinny. And um, uh, keep reading. And um, I know you have two actual days off. So that's good. Enjoy the two actual days off and um, see you a week from Tuesday. Stay safe. Stay Thank healthy. Bye-bye.